Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Amen. You know, this is one of those moments I almost don't want it to stop. You know what I mean? Go ahead. You can have a seat. I don't know. There's no rules. Do, how, do whatever you need to, you know, to feel right. But um, just, you know, standing in the back and listening to people talk, um, sing that out. <laughs> There's nothing better than you. Not even football or tacos <laughs> or a good movie or a best friend. <sighs> so we're about to enter a new series. It's called uh, Lessons from a Graveyard. And... Uh, I know that could sound dark and depressing, but I promise you that's not our goal with this. As I said in the beginning, we want to encourage you, and I, and I guess that's, that's one of the things that I want to encourage us for, these, these words that we just sang, that we would stop and pause and evaluate life. Not so much death, although we want to think of it sometimes in that term, but we want to look at our life and we're going to go for the next month and say, what can a graveyard teach me? Um, I was, I've been in a graveyard too many times this week, to be honest. Um, my uncle passed away last week and I uh, had to do a funeral and we had a graveside service just a few days ago for the family. And he was young. And so it's another reminder that we just don't have all the time that we think we have. Life is short. So what are we going to do with the life that we have? And that's where we want to kind of turn our attention and our focus as we go through this series this week. Hold on one second. Do you think we could sing There's Nothing Better Than You just as a, a church one more time? Just the chorus. We could kind of keep it pulled back a little bit, right? Yep. As a way to prepare for us today, just stay in your seat. We just want to again take that breath. God, prepare our hearts as we go and we evaluate our life today and over this next month, God, that you would just give us the insight and wisdom that you want us to have as we take each step. And if you could sing this in your heart, maybe you want to lift the hand. Again, it was so beautiful to hear every voice. There's nothing better than you. Maybe just as we set this up, let's just sing that chorus again. Come on. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing.
better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Make him a priority in your heart just for the next few minutes. Come on. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Yeah, it's beautiful. So as we're going to go through this series, um, I am not going to be live up here most of today because what I wanted to do is teach the lesson today from a graveyard. And so you could uh, sit back and you could watch the screen for the next little bit and kind of see where God brings us this morning. So thanks for being here with us. I remember one of the craziest things I ever did. I was probably in college or so, and uh, my friend and I had the great idea to go bungee jumping. Now, it was at this place called Action Park, which is kind of funny because now there's this whole documentary made about Action Park called Class Action Park because of how little they cared for the safety of the people that went there and that it was run by teenagers and all this kind of crazy stuff. Uh, But nevertheless, I went to Action Park a bunch and they had this bungee jump set up outside the park. And I couldn't believe I said yes, but I decided, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I mean, you only live once, right? And so, yeah, we go up, we have to climb up the whole tower. And I remember freaking out when I got to the top. And then I just let myself go. And here I am, however many years later, I'm still alive. But hey, you only live once. So if I got hurt or injured or whatever, at least I could say I bungee jumped, right? Well, here I am standing in the middle of a, of a graveyard, and, and, I, and I tell you that story because I think about how we look at life. I want us to examine our lives today, and, and really, I, I want to ask us uh, a couple questions. First of all, what is, what is the, the meaning of life? What is, what is the purpose of life? What matters most? So what brings meaning and what matters the most? So there's this really interesting book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. It's kind of like right in the middle of the Bible. It's a very interesting book. And it was written we believe, uh, by this guy named Solomon. Now, Solomon is really interesting because one of the, one of the things about Solomon is, is he asked God for wisdom and God granted him wisdom beyond you know, anything that anybody else had. 
he was also the king, which means he had a life of privilege. And, and so he had all this wealth. He had uh, parties all the time and was living life to the fullest. I mean, hey, again, you only live once, right? Well, we find his writings as he ponders life. He ponders the meaning of life. He ponders what matters. And there's a whole lot of different ways you could take the book of Solomon. I mean, some call it nihilistic, and others call it hedonistic, and, and others call it fatalistic. And, and again, whatever your philosophical approach is, it's all of that. But I actually think there's something way deeper that's going on in this book. So here we have King Solomon, who is at a very, very unique position to evaluate life and all its meaning. And in Ecclesiastes, we find out what he's written, and I thought it was just interesting. I want to look at three key phrases, three things that are said over and over again that might give us a little insight into what life is all about. So this first key phrase that the teacher in Ecclesiastes says over and over again is, everything is meaningless. Pretty dreary, huh? Everything is meaningless. And as the teacher is, is teaching his audience, we see he starts going through this whole list of things that we're doing in life, things like work, and the pleasures of life and, and wealth and prestige and the youth and vigor that we have in life and even life itself and death itself. He says, all is meaningless. Actually, it's used over 33 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Which is why some would look at this really fatalistically and say, so what's the point? What's the meaning here? That word meaningless is really interesting. It has this, has this very different connotation maybe than our, than our English translations of the Bible uh, might give us. It really has this idea of vapor or smoke or even breath. This thing, they, like, it's this image of you're trying to grasp at something. And so, like, if you're going and trying to grasp at smoke, you come up and you look at your hand, there's, there's nothing in there. It's meaningless. It's futile. Which is also kind of an airy thing, you know, when we see movies or whatever depictions of graveyards and there's, like, the fog rolling in. It's very eerie and mystical. But that's the sense of what he's saying. That's that word, meaningless. It's like we could look for all these things, wealth and prestige and love and the fullness of life, and it ends up becoming like futile. And so the author goes on and on through the entire book talking about life is meaningless 33 times. All the things that we desire, all the things, all the things that we're programmed to believe are going to bring life and happiness and peace and joy. He holds them up. He's evaluating them and he's like, nope. Think about the things that you think are so cool right now. 
Maybe you think it would be so awesome to have that latest iPhone or that latest piece of clothing that's just going to make your wardrobe perfect. Or maybe it's a lot bigger than that. Maybe it's that million dollar yacht that you have your eye on or even better yet, a trip to outer space. That would be pretty cool. But at some point, all those things end up being gone. It's literally like a mist, like a vapor. And then what? What was it all for? And so after all the teachers searching and after all his explanation of life and looking for answers, that was all that he came up with. Everything is meaningless. What's the point? All the things that we thought would bring us joy and happiness and fulfillment, we realize they don't. Maybe the teacher is trying to tell us that we're missing something critically important. Well, the next phrase we see over and over again that the teacher in Ecclesiastes uses is this phrase, under the sun. Under the sun. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't think we have to overthink it. Anything under the sun is, he was alluding to the fact of, of anything that was constrained by time and space. Our life here on earth. You know, it takes 365 days for the earth to revolve around the sun. Actually, to be exact, it takes 365 days, 5 hours, 59 minutes, and 16 seconds. That also means that on average, we humans are going to take that trip around the sun 79 times. Over and over and over again. Life is the same thing over and over again. It's this, it's this time and this space that we are constrained to. That's what under the sun means. And that's what the teacher is highlighting in this book. Now, he didn't have this death experience where he came back to life and told us what it was like on the other side or anything like that. He was still limited in all his knowledge, but he goes out and says, everything that I searched out with all the resources that were available to me, everything was meaningless under the sun. And here's the thing. Time and space is what we're limited to as well. We have a certain limited number of days under the sun. It's what we're constrained by. And again, life is beautiful at times, and it's painful at times. But this is our experience under the sun. Maybe the teacher is telling us that we're overestimating our time under the sun.
The next word that we see the teacher repeating over and over again in this book is this word wisdom. Wisdom. Now, I don't think any of us don't want to be wise in our lives. I think we're all hoping that we have some wisdom in us. But I do want to make this distinction. There is this difference between wisdom and knowledge. I mean, we can know a lot of things, but we may not be wise. Well, what is wisdom? As I was thinking through that, I was thinking, you know, one way we could look at wisdom is, and I think it's a, it's a completely accurate definition to say, wisdom is a, is a perspective change. So with the days that we are allotted as time goes on, we, we end up getting some perspective changes. Or, or maybe we could say wisdom is a, is a new perspective. And I think that that would be totally accurate. And so, over and over again, the teacher of Ecclesiastes is, he, he, he's forcing us to change our perspective. You know, as we read this book, it almost like, it's almost like that's constantly the reminder. He keeps saying, change the perspective. This is my perspective. Look at this perspective. And he's like forcing that in there. He's forcing us to deconstruct everything that we think we know about our time under the sun, about our life. And I I actually think he gives us some clues as to what wisdom is in this book. And, and, And so the first thing I would say is that he alludes to is that God matters. God matters. And I I want you to think about this with me for a second. I don't know that I live as if God matters. You don't have to just be like an atheist or something who doesn't believe in God. I think even for those of us who follow God, do we really live our life as if God matters? And I, I think the second thing that he talks about when he talks about wisdom is he says eternity matters. So he's forcing our perspective about God and he's forcing our perspective on this thing called eternity. Eternity, this time that just goes on and on and never ends. And he says eternity matters. What we do with the time and space that we're given here on this earth matters of course it does and that's why we're we're called to be stewards of what we do with to 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 take care of this planet to treat others well to treat ourselves well to look out for the good in others to combat injustice all of these things we need to steward in the context of eternity What does it mean to live in the, in the light of eternity? What, what are we investing in? What are we investing in beyond just living and dying and ending up here in a graveyard? Maybe the teacher is saying that when we could put those two things together, that 
our perspective actually does begin to change, that we could actually become wise and that we would actually live more wisely on this earth. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes is this very interesting book, no doubt. And, you know, as I, as, I, as I look at it, is the teacher saying, hey, man, you only live once, so live it up. Live it up with no regrets. Just take that dive, and whatever happens, happens. Well, I think if we could get below the surface of what he's trying to say, I think he's saying a couple things. Number one, he's acknowledging life is short. Life is short. Another thing that he acknowledges is that life is a gift. Your life is a gift. Life is filled with pain and injustice. And, and yes, death is dark and obscure. But he reminds us that life is short and life is a gift. Listen to a couple of these verses he says. In Ecclesiastes 3.13, the teacher says, And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. So one of the things I think we could take away right away is he is not saying to live this life of, you know, super serious and you have to do this and a whole bunch of rules. No, he's saying, go ahead and live it up. But you must understand that you need to have a different perspective and you need to trust God at the end of it. Um, he goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9, Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything that you want to do. Take it all in. But remember, and this is a key, you must give an account to God for everything you do. Accept that life comes and it goes. Accept that it's like a vapor. That we must invest in things that are eternal. We have to keep the proper perspective. And this is how he sums up the entire book. This is what the teacher says. All the things that he pursued from his very unique standpoint the wealth that gave him that ability, the knowledge that gave him that ability. Here's what he says. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. You see, at the end of it, the teacher realized that all of the wealth, all of the women, all of the partying, even all of his knowledge was meaningless. I heard someone say, you know what? You could go out and live a better meaningless life than the next person. You could have more, but in the end, it's still meaningless. It doesn't get you anywhere.
So here's the lesson today from the graveyard. What matters? Eternity. And what brings meaning to life? God. What matters? Eternity. And what brings ultimate meaning to life? God does. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. This is what he says. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of any other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Listen, everything is meaningless under the sun unless we change our perspective. You only live once. So make sure you are living in the light of eternity. You only live once. Anybody ever do anything crazy like me and just say, hey, you only live once. I'm going for it. Anybody? You feel me on that? Yeah, so, you know, when we are confronted and faced with our life, you know, I want to make sure, I'm going to have to repeat everything I said, but that we, that we have a perspective that's different. You know, I, every, every image I've gotten when I've th- thought about this is like, it's like putting on, you know, just sunglasses or actually better yet, you know, I, I, this past year I had to get um, readers because I couldn't see anymore, right? And everything was blurry and kind of out of focus. And then I was able to put that on. I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> it's clear again. It actually feels even bigger to me. And that's kind of how I see this lens of of God in my life and honestly the lens of eternity in my life. Oh, once we get that, oh, I get it now. Oh, and God, yes, it's way bigger than I ever thought. So that's my challenge. I'm gonna again leave you with that challenge. Are you living your life as if God matters? Can you honestly answer that question for yourself? Or we just continue to just do the things that we want to do because, again, it makes us feel good or whatever the reason might be or you think you should do it. But are we living as if God matters? And are we living as if eternity matters? Because God matters and eternity matters. And as I was standing in a graveyard this week several times, doing videos and doing funerals, I was reminded that we just can't keep going. I, 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 won't, I won't speak for you. I was reminded for myself that I just can't keep going thinking that my priorities are all the best. I want to stop. I want to pause. And I want to evaluate it through a different set of lenses. I want to evaluate it through a different set of perspective. So I hope that's an encouragement to you today. I hope that's a challenge to you today. I think it's going to be a challenge for you maybe more than anything. It is for me. 
And so I just want to do uh, right here, just in our, in our time, just could we just kind of bow our heads and close our eyes? That's all. We're going to take some moments here. And this is going to be moment between you and God, not for me and not for the person next to you, just between you and God. Listen, listen, you've taken time out of your busy schedule and of your busy morning to be here today. And I think you're all here on purpose. It also tells me a little something about your heart. There's something searching there for you and you're trying to figure it out and you might not have it all figured out. And I think that's an important word. You might not have it all figured out, but that's also the thing about life. That's what I mean about wisdom. The longer we seek God, he's gonna grant that wisdom to us. We're gonna see him more clearly. And so right now in your seat for the next minute or so, just a time for you and God. And this is what I want you to basically ask. God, do I need to change my perspective? Am I really living with you as you matter? And as if eternity matters? Just take a minute. I know that for some that might feel like an eternity, but sometimes peace and quiet is good for our souls because often our lives are lived on such a rapid pace and with such noise that we have a hard time hearing God in our hearts. And again, that's the point here. That's the point with this series that we need to stop and we need to pause and we need to live with new perspective. God, grant us wisdom wherever we are in our journey. Because I know in a room this full of people and who, again, who is ever watching this right now, God, people are all different spots on their journey. And so God, you have the ability and the power like we just sang about today to change people's perspective, to give them insight into your heart and to bring them closer to you. And so I pray that this time together that we've had this morning would do just that, that we would leave here continuing to wrestle a little bit, that we would realize what matters in life. And I thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in this section called Wisdom Books and it is truly wisdom for living to gain that perspective, God, on you today. In the one life that we have to live, help us, God, to make that count, not so much for all those things that we could store up here because all of those vanish, but for the things that are gonna be laid up for ourselves in eternity. So God, help us, show us how to invest that well, to, to be generous, to stand up for injustice, to love our neighbor as ourself and to fear you. Not in the sense of being afraid, God, but to just to realize this, this humility before an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient God. We love you. In Jesus' name.